remember we had a one year anniversary with a good friend of mine gave a toast and he's like, I thought you'd fail. Cheers. And I was like, oh, you suck a little bit. Even my financial advisor said the same thing to me. A year in, he's like, I thought this would fail. And wow. You guys all suck. I'm like, really? And then I don't know how many other people thought that. You know, maybe there's more of my family that I, my family, I don't know. But then I was like, oh, well, why would I spend all this time doing something and working towards this for then to just measly fail and go by the wayside? Hey, welcome to the business of being. My name is Paul Kasmus, and I believe that everyone is on a path in life. Growing up, I always loved stories that involved showing someone's origin. You know, movies like Kill Bill, Batman Begins, Star Wars, and The 36th Chamber of Shaolin. These stories captivated my interest, seeing the growth of the character through their struggles, challenges, and victories along the way. I speak with entrepreneurs, CEOs, and business owners about their life and business to learn what it takes to be successful and to discover their unique hero's journey. The conversations will enlighten you on the right mindsets for overcoming any obstacle you might face to help guide you on your unique path in business. Today's guest is Anne-Marie Groves, owner of Boho Studios in Richmond, Virginia. Anne-Marie started Boho while working at Morton Steakhouse eight years ago and was one of the very first of its category back when boutique fitness studios were barely a thing. Boho now has multiple locations in Richmond, and Anne-Marie gets frequent calls from developers to bring her business to new developments in other states. I absolutely love this conversation with Anne-Marie about how she's grown and adapted over the years, especially this past year during the vid. And one of my favorite stories she talks about was when she spoke with her bank back in 2019 about getting funding for a new location. And the banker didn't even really look at any of her financials and just said, whatever you need for funding, will do it, which is almost unheard of in this day and age of uh, businesses and banks. So just really shows the type of business that Anne-Marie has and the type of person she is. And just so much amazing stuff in here from an absolutely brilliant and successful business owner. Check it out. I'm here with Anne-Marie Groves, owner, founder of Boho Studios. AMG, as I call you, you want to give a quick background on yourself, who you are? Yeah, so I am AM or AMG, Anne-Marie Gross, a name that is pretty distinctive in the world of last names. I am the owner and founder of Boho Studios, a group of boutique fitness studios kind of nestled in some of like Richmond, Virginia's most fun and amazing neighborhoods. I work out a lot. I listen to a lot of music, but at the end of the day, like my goal is really to just help people like move more and find that capacity that they can move more. Absolutely. And I think what I love about you, I mean, I've known you a long time and to me, you're one of those people that like, I feel cool telling people that I know you because uh, a lot of people go to your cycle studios and I'm like, oh yeah, you go to, you go to Boho. Like I know Anne-Marie, like no big <laughs> deal. So, you know, I think there's a lot that we can cover today because, I mean, we're kind of like going into like almost a year of the Rona. And so we definitely want to get a lot of, you know, kind of your background and your, your journeys to where you're at now and just also how you've adapted and evolved, not just in this past year, but also over the years. Because, you know, I think, you know, you, you were one of the original boutique fitness place businesses in town and started, you know, very early and especially in a location that there was nothing as far as like fitness and been very successful. So maybe let's start like kind of like around the beginnings of right, right as you were creating Boho, kind of what that was like and take us through a little bit of that journey. You know, I had moved to Richmond for my job at the time. I was in my late twenties and didn't have anything holding me anywhere. So I was up for an adventure and 
loved the job that I was doing. It was just a job that I was bored with. And I'd really kind of gone as far as I could, unless I wanted to move to another city. And I'd really come to love Richmond and just moving isn't the route I wanted to go. And it really came down to exploring, like, what do I do next? And how can I stay in Richmond? And like, what can all the skills I had, because I had come from a restaurant world, like, what are all those skills good for outside of restaurant? And started exploring, in particular, a cycle studio and was a I had taken cycle classes and whatnot before, but much more of a day-to-day runner and, you know, weightlifter. So it was a new thing to me in that capacity and just started like, what would it look like? Where could it go? What would it cost? And it, you know, just kind of evolved from almost like a side marketing project of like, what if? And then we opened. (laughs) So I know you were at, it was Morton's, right? before that. So I'm always curious, like right before people launch, because it's definitely one thing to have an idea and it's awesome. You're like, oh, we can see all the possibilities. And then once you start getting into it, you're like, this shit sucks (laughs) of looking at permits and business licenses and things like that. So I think at what point were you at Morton's where it was kind of like, I guess like the breaking point where you're like, I'm going all in on this uh, fitness studio and there's no looking back. It was probably March of the year we opened that I finally like realized that this isn't just fun and games or I can't kind of, I kind of can't back out now. In that scheme of things, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. And it was instantly overwhelmed and instantly kind of instant panic. And then I really just kind of like checked myself and I'm like, it's just you you don't have a pet, you don't have kids, you're not married, your apartment's super cheap, and you live in a really great town, and if I go bankrupt in a year, like, I'm gonna make it. It was really kind of like the conversation I had with myself, and, you know, it's funny, because that was only about six or so months before we even actually opened the first location that (laughs) I realized that. I went you know, six months of like, well, maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. Like, we'll see. And then you just keep moving forward and moving forward. And you kind of got to that point of no return. Well, what's interesting, and I think, and I'm like, I love how kind of quickly we got to that point of, you know, I call it like, you know, the abyss or like just facing like pure unfiltered defeat in the face, like, you know, kind of thinking like, what would happen if this totally crashes and burns? Because again, like most people, early on getting in that idea phase, you're only thinking of the best possible outcome. And then you might you might be very you know generous and like, well, you know, if it doesn't work, whatever. But yeah. when you're like invested heavily time, money, effort, and see like, you start only thinking of like, well, what's the worst that can happen? And yeah. so I think it's, I think a lot of people have been in that place. And, and even anyone who's like getting to that point, it's like, that's, that's normal and almost like, like a requirement to then make it into the creation, the launch of whatever it is you're doing. I, that is one of my very first pieces of advice I have given actually a handful of people and if probably three people in this last year that have come and kind of asked for my thoughts and opinions on opening a space. And I said, you have to make the decision that like, if you go bankrupt in a year, are you just financially ruined for the rest of your life, you know, what would that look like? And if you feel it's something that like would not the goal and not be amazing, but it is a manageable end all be all, you know, then do that. Or if you're like, whoa, if I did go bankrupt, like I have, I have nothing else to my name or I have 
this or I couldn't handle that. It's like, then you very much have to like reevaluate what you want to do and your, your comfort level. Yeah, I, I love that and totally agree. I mean, did you ever have a point where you're like kind of thinking of it like where it feels more comfortable? Like, no, let's just stop this and let's, I'm going to just do my thing at, at working at the restaurants and kind of facing like that crossroads of, I can either go to where it's safe or go back and remain in that safe area. Mm-hmm. But if I do that, I might regret that for the rest of my life. Yeah, you know, it really was, I had little to lose. I, I kept my full-time job for the first, about the first year that I was open, that the, the place was open. So I still had that fail safe. It made the days very long and, and very stressful, but I had that fail safe. So then it was another conversation about a year in of like, okay, how can I go part-time or leave the full-time and find something part-time? As again, I still wanted another fail safe. It took me two years to go all in as far as full-time stuff goes with the the studio, but that's everyone's process. You know, some people want to go all in from the first second, but that just didn't, you know, work for what I had. Um, (laughs) And it was still just a little leap of faith, but I, you know, I go back to, I was in my late thirties and I had no kids and no pets and still an apartment. And, you know, just some of that extra stuff that you have, the older you get that's there, wasn't there for me. And it made it easier to take some of those risks. Right. And I think, you know, there's two routes that you can take. It's like, you know, burn the bridges, jump in at the deep end and never look back. And there's going to be a lot of people who've been successful that way. And a lot of people who haven't been, because I could see it, you know, in some ways like, well, of course that's easy. Like, you know, you you got your full-time job, you're doing this, like, you know, that is not easy. You know, your time and energy is super limited. And when you're on day, God knows 30, 40, you know, four or five months in, and really haven't had any days off, you know, and like the concept of relaxing and turning it off, like you can't turn it off and it being work mode for your, your job and especially for your business. Cause yep. you're, you know, and, and, you know, maybe clarify some of this that I'm saying, like part of it's being speaking from experience. It's like, you're thinking about it 24 seven, you know, it was, and it was constant. I mean, I would be, I'm still an early riser in the scheme of things, but I would be up at, the studio and up by 5 a.m. and at the studio and work until 7 or 7.30, I would go home, I would change, I'd have breakfast and I would go to work, you know, from nine to five and then I would leave work and I would drive to the studio some days and work from five to 8 p.m. and then go home and have dinner and then do it again. You know, I had one day off a week for consistently one day off a week in the scheme of things, but that was still a few and far between one day, but that's what's needed. That's what was needed. Like that's how I had to make all of this work. And I was okay with that. Now, I don't know that I would be okay with that. I've put in a lot of work in, in more than seven years. So I don't know that I'd want to do that again. But at the time, that was fine. It didn't bother me. Yeah. And like, it, it gets you to where you're at, which is yeah. always great. Was there ever a time, and especially, I mean, even in those first, like, you know, two years and, you know, you had your job, but then ever a worry of, let's say it, it doesn't work out and I'm fine, you know, financially, was there ever any kind of fear of just like social pressure of like, I don't want to have to tell people who are like, this will never work. You should, you should just get a normal, you know, keep your normal job and say, no, you're right. This didn't work out. No, no. I mean, I I don't spend my time to, to, 
do things to then not have them work out. There have been some things that haven't worked out since then that had some things that were out of my control, which is very frustrating. But no, that never really came into mind. I remember we had a one year, like we had an opening party. I don't know what it was or a one year anniversary party. There was something. And like a good friend of mine gave a toast and he's like, I thought you'd fail. Cheers. And I was like, oh, you suck a little bit. Even my financial advisor said the same thing to me. A year in, he's like, I thought this would fail. And wow, you guys all suck. I'm like, really? And then I don't know how many other people thought that, you know, maybe there's more of my family that my family, I don't know. But then I was like, oh, well, why would I spend all this time doing something and working towards this for then to just measly fail and go by the wayside? One wasted effort, wasted time, but it's also just a wasted effort to let that happen. So no. And I think that the societal pressure stuff, I think had that happened and stuff did have to close, one year or two years in, I think it would have been tough at the time. I think it would have been, society is really much different now. Social media is much different now. I think it would have been easier to manage six, seven years ago than if for some reason that would happen now. I might have a, a much more hard time with it. Yeah. And I wonder if like those same people who were like, you know, seemingly nice people, they were there cheersing you, but if had it gone completely differently, you know, those same people would probably be there supporting you. I would hope so. Yeah. But yeah, gotta be, you know, it's an interesting feeling where you're like, hmm, okay, I now I know how you felt at that time. And it's it's a interesting, almost bittersweet feeling where you're like, yeah, I you thought this couldn't happen and I I fucking did it. So, yes. you know, let's cheers to that and maybe next time you'll believe in me yep. a little bit more. But it's almost like I, what I find fascinating about everything you just said is that. And, and I think I kind of asked the question almost like two different ways that you address it. It's like that concept like just did not enter into your mind or it, if it did, you just did not, it's like, that's not happening. Like, and it was a very, it's a very rational thought. You're just like, no, that, like if I'm putting my all, my all into this, this is going to be successful. Is that more or less a summary of what you were kind of saying? Absolutely. I think when I had that moment, you know, six or so months before we opened, that was like, all right, I'm all into this. Like, well, then that is done. I should have backed out the month before if I had wanted to, or I should have done it then. But when I hit that point of like really thinking to myself, like, wow, okay, I guess we're, right, we're going to do this. Then that doesn't, then like failing doesn't see something. I am not necessarily the biggest optimist that you will ever meet. I always go to the dark side, which is probably why I made that decision of like, well, if I <laughs> what does it look like? But I also just don't spend my time and energy doing things that I'm not going to succeed in some fashion. It may not be everybody's version of success, but that's, I usually just, then it's a no. I'm not someone that's a maybe. It's either a yes or a no. If you say a maybe, it's just because I don't want to, I don't want to deal with you. But Maybe, maybe <laughs> mostly means no. <laughs> Well, that, I love that. And I think, I guess there was a couple things I wanted to maybe expand upon because I mean, going back to that, that moment, that's where it, there's no if, ands, or maybes. It's if you move forward, you're not looking back and, and you kind of get there. Have you had a moment like that before in your past, whether it was in college or before other jobs, or I don't know, has that ever been an experience for you? So I grew up in smack dab in the Midwest in Lincoln, Nebraska, and lived on the East Coast for a long time. I've traveled the States in the scheme of things, and Nebraska is amazing. At the end of the day, it might not be for me, but I went to Chicago in college for like a weekend with some friends, and I just like loved the city. And I was like, it's just loud and ridiculous and chaotic, and like I loved that. 
And I came back and I declared that I was going to go, I was going to intern in Chicago for a semester. And everyone's like, what? How? What are you going to do? I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And like, so I did. I got an internship in Chicago with a PR firm for an entire semester and lived there. And then it came back and was like, well, I'm going to move there when I graduate. And everyone's like, do you have a job? I'm like, no, I'll we'll figure it out. And he's like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I got things. I wait tables <laughs> everywhere. But so I graduated, you know, graduation was whatever, June. The next week I moved to Chicago and I had enough money for one month's rent. And it took me two and a half years before I had to call my parents and ask them to help me. And I asked them, to, I, all I asked was for two months rent help at the end of the day. And my, both of my parents, I found out later, were like, man, we were waiting for that call every single day. And it took you two and a half years to call and just be like, okay, now I need a little help. So I've done that before and kind of in the same boat, you know, there wasn't anything holding me anywhere. And like I said, I'd waited tables and been in the restaurant business. So I knew there was always some job and a capacity you can get, especially within a city, you know, like Chicago. So I think, what was I, 23 at the, at the time? So yeah, 10 or 11 years later, 12 years later, I kind of did, did the same thing, just stayed in the same city to do it. Yeah, I've, those moments to me are just like, I mean, that's kind of like what I just love talking about. Because I feel like, I mean, everyone everyone has like their own like just moments of glory. And most of the time it's like within your own self. Yeah. And even if you've never been there, you know, having something like I'm about to start a business that's like a much bigger, and, it, and who knows how to compare that, but it is like as you get older, yeah. it's much it's much, much different. And so, you know, when you're a kid and I mean, I guess kid, like in your early twenties, even yeah. to your mid twenties, it's like, you're, you're naive enough. And it's, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. And then when you're older, you're like, fuck, like now, you know, my, has my time passed, you know, I got more responsibilities and, and at, at that point in your life, you've got a lot more friends and family and whoever that's like, you know, they're probably like five, 10 years into their career. Like, when are you going to do something? What are you doing? Yeah. And so it's, it sucks. And so just those kind of mental, I guess, challenges, but then yeah, getting to where you were at, like six months before launch in Boho, you're like, this is it. And to me, that's like, you know, the greatest victory to get to, it, it just solidifies that confidence. I don't know how, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, you, you do it and you just don't look back. And it's like, I feel like when it comes from that place of, you know, having that passion and desire and just that keeping that confidence, even when things aren't going right, yep. that's what, that's what creates success. And, and that's where, you know, just things, things just go your way in the longer term, you know, it's not going to be quick and easy, but in, in a lot of ways, long term of it, well, this is your, you're in what year six, seven of the uh, business. You're middle of year seven. Well, year seven, like, one, two years is a, is a small percent of the total. Yep. Like, all right, I'll, I'll take a year or two of difficulty to get to where I want to be. But it, I think it, it just starts with making that full on decision. I, I think that's awesome. That's, that's cool to kind of hear, hear where, you know, how, how you got started and those like other wins, like, yeah, let's go to Chicago. Let's do this and, yeah. and all that. So I mean, I moved to Richmond on a whim. Like I said, I moved here for work and all my family was the Midwest to the West coast. I'm still, I have no family, like immediate family out here. And I was like, we'll try it. Who knows? We'll see. You know, and then two years in, I was like, I love this place. And here I am 15 going on 16 years later that like, 
I'm not going anywhere. It's time. Yeah. Well, you can't. We'd, we'd miss, we'd miss you to pieces if you did. <laughs> well, so you've got, okay, so you're in year seven. I want to, yeah, I think we can definitely drill into maybe the evolution of Boho and, and some of the things you've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just, you know, maybe we'll start broad. Like how, how has it changed from, let's say the first like year or two when you were still getting your feet wet with it, you were still working your full-time job to full on in Boho to some of the expansions you've had and then to where you're at right now. Um, yeah, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's a customer service business. So coming from the restaurant side, like my serve, it's not food, it's a, it's a workout. So coming into it that way, it was like, what does the client need? What does the space have to look like? You know, what are the specifics and trying to figure out again, brand new boutique fitness just wasn't in Richmond. So what do people want or what are they going to expect? We kind of have to think about the people that might have traveled East coast a little bit more that would have access to a psycho studio at the time. And you know, what are we offering people when they come in the door? And it was just a lot of, you know, that stuff. And like, what are the classes going to look like? Is there a format? Do we let instructors do whatever it is that they would like? You know, I mainly, I handled a lot of that back end facility stuff. You know, what does the space look like? How's the setup going to be? How do we clean it? You know, all of those little things, you know, and then, then you kind of like, we got this early on like cult following because it was this bright blue building that the entrance was around the back of the parking lot. And it was, you know, it's initially had cement floors before we put in the rubber floors and we didn't used to have mirrors and like all that kind of stuff because we just didn't have the money for it, you know, to really slowly upgrading it to making it look and feel like a very polished product that people were coming in for that like Richmond didn't have at all at the time. You know, and then it really kind of became like, what do I want? what do I want the space and the classes and the clientele to feel and look like, you know, in the world of group fitness, it is predominantly women it is predominantly brown haired white women. I understand that that's a stereotype. Unfortunately, that is, is one that really works. So how do I get more men in the door? Men work out. They don't always do cardio. They like to lift heavier things. That's fine. But how can I get, you know, a couple of those guys in the door that like just start spreading that stuff. And what is the, business have to look like for it to feel comfortable for men to come in the door and one of the things was like not have the bright pink fuchsia wall in the bathroom <laughs> and I painted that and I loved it and then I was like you know that might not be what every man wants when they come into the space so it was kind of just changing up the, the colors and how we used the brand colors and adding in new brand colors um, so when social media changed and e-blasts and you know promotions and stuff it was really much more targeted look at what are we putting out there that's going to attract a wide array of people visually? And that I, you know, kind of stumbled across an amazing person, Caroline, who is our designer and photographer. And she was looking for a part-time job just so she could have something else to do to be around people. And she has helped build this brand and have it look the way it does. And it took us a while. It probably took us a year to really kind of cater the feel of that. And we do talk about it every year. So like, what do we need to revise? So moving on, when we expanded to the Churchill location, one, I I had looked in Churchill for years, for probably two years before something really kind of came up. And we were at the point that I, I couldn't put any more classes on the schedule and I couldn't put any more people in the classes. And I am hacked to the nines and I have all these people that can't, you know, get in a class. And opened a, a smaller, a newer version, but a little bit smaller space up in Churchill. Went went over like gangbusters, and it was phenomenal. Unfortunately, it closed at year 
and it wasn't for the love of boho, it wasn't for poor business, it wasn't for poor location, it wasn't for poor management, it wasn't for poor anything, it was a very unfortunate dispute with the landlord and how the space was built and how it was being used. And that was really difficult. I had done everything right. I had covered all of my bases. I had legally covered my bases. I had financially put a lot into the space to help with sound and things like that. And I'm here in a position where someone, you know, that was helping me or I thought was on my team to make sure we were good to go was now not in that same boat. And that was really hard. I fought that for six months before I really had to make the decision that like, it's just going to be best for everybody if I head out of that space and move on to the next thing. And you have a question. man, that's, I, and I, I, I didn't know that full, you know, story with it. So man, what a bummer of that. Like, I mean, I'm hoping that, well, we don't need to get into, I'm just curious. I'm like, well, breaking on the lease and your investment into it. Like, I don't know. That's not the point of this conversation. <laughs> um, no, it was, it was all really, really difficult. And it really, the decision came down to the fact that I would be working really hard to bring all this money in in a month, which was fine. And in, too much of that was going to, was going to have to go to lawyers to, to continue to fight it. And I, I gotcha. couldn't justify continuing to do that, knowing that the outcome eventually was still not going to be in my favor because the lease was up at some point. So that was really terrible. I had to work through that. I still, you know, to this day, I've, I've, I've accepted the fact that not everybody thinks the way that I think in that scenario. I've accepted the fact that not everybody absolutely knows everything that they are doing. And even if they tell you they do, but in between there, I had opened the North side location, Boho Fit Studio coming from the fact that like, yes, we had cycle down. Yes. We knew how to do cycle. What other neighborhood could I go in? And I had lived in the North side. I lived for a while, just a few blocks from where that studio um, is located. And I loved the neighborhood and I loved the feel of it. And I loved the front porches and everyone who would sit on their front porches over here in Brooklyn park. And had looked off and on for about a year and just was trying to like play it right a little bit and decided to open the fit studio, which is at this moment, my largest location and mixed group fitness. So it is TRX, it is strength classes, it's hits classes, it's yoga, it's personal training. It's kind of any other like format that we kind of want to play with and come up with knowing that like cycle is not the only thing that I do as far as my fitness goes, there's other stuff. And I wanted to be able to build on that as part of Boho. Like we weren't just a cycle studio. We're not just a cycle studio. We're a group of fitness studios and not everybody wants to do cycle, but like they want to be a part of Boho. So like, here's a way to do that. And people that do cycle, like sometimes they've come four or five times a week. And I was like, I just want, I just want you to pick up a weight. Let's go do it. So we get so much back and forth and overlap. We get people that just go to one location, we get people that go to both and really take advantage of all the options, you know, that we have with that. Love that. And that's, but talk, remind me the, the year that opened. So that opened, it was two years ago, um, January, 2019. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was curious cause I'm, I was going to follow up. I, I, I still want to talk more about like your brand and just how amazing it is, but you, I, you'd sent me this quote that you went to a, your banker, uh -huh. right. Of talk about new locations. And they just said, yeah, whatever you need, yeah. we'll give you the funding for it. So I, I found I found that curious because I I known that, and then I heard the story of you know maybe year one when they're like your finance person was like 
cheers, never thought yeah. you'd make it this far. So what was that like, you know, and was that, it was, am I right to assume that was for the North side location or? Um, that was not for that, that location. All my locations, the current museum district, the Churchill one and the Brooklyn Park location were all self-funded with one small like private loan that was a, a lovely cushion gift from, oh my gosh, cushion gift from my family. And it was like, hey, in case something happens, can you give me a little cushion? I'll get it paid back. And that's what that was. No, so all three of those were self-funded. You know, when a new business opens as much as they're like, go to the SBA, go here and there. Like, that's not available. Banks don't want to give money to businesses that don't have any sort of track record and show sales, especially at the time of a boutique fitness studio. When you go to a bank and the banker clearly has no concept of what this business is or could be is really difficult and really frustrating. So all the businesses or all the, yeah, they've all been self-funded. Then I hit location, was in the process of location four that due to the pandemic at this moment, I had to step away from, which is really tough. But this was, this conversation was related to location four, which would have been my largest location space-wise, capacity-wise, and a format that is brand new that doesn't exist anywhere. And you know, it came down to like, this is how much I organically have, which was a good amount of money, but I need to be here. And what, and I don't know if I can organically get there in the time frame needed. So I called my bank. I would never have thought, and I have said this to him before that, like, I would never thought I needed a banker. It just sounds dated, but he has been my banker for about four years. So he has seen my business. He has seen the ones open. He's seen the one close. Like he sees those finances. I was like, here's what I need. Here's what I think I can do. Here's what's this, like, what options do I have? And like, he's like, yeah, whatever, we'll fund it. I have absolutely no problem funding what it is that you need. We're actually, we'll add another 20,000 onto that. Like we'll play that safe. If you find you don't need it, you can pay that back in, you know, in a chunk, if you just don't want it sitting there as far as what you owe, get me the quotes, you know, his equipment was in there. So they need to, you know, have some of those purchase orders with that. He's like, get me the quotes for equipment. He's like, I'm going to send you the stuff to fill out. And when you're ready to pull the trigger on it, let me know. And we'll get it to you, you know, within a few days. And I'm like, okay. 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 You know, I don't know what I thought the conversation would be. I, you know, I have an available line of credit with the bank if it's necessary. He easily, we easily renew that every year and don't really have any question on it. So I just was like, well, I mean, I have that I could use. And he's like, no, 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 we should look at this. And so I was telling my husband about this and he was making dinner and talking about it in the evening. And he literally just stopped and like turned around. He's like, I'm sorry. The senior VP of this bank just said they'll give you whatever funding you need and he's going to add, you know, X amount of dollars to it to play it safe because you're kind of on the edge of what you can like, Yeah, is that weird? And he's like, no, like, that's amazing. That is not uh, weird. Uh, weird in the sense of it's uncommon. Yes. That, like, that other definition of weird. Yeah. Um, and you know, Ivan, I think his reaction made me react more and was a little bit more proud of myself than, you know, maybe even hearing it from the bank. So, you know, I still have a great relationship with him. Like we talked last week about where the business is at and like what needs I might have and like what we can look at, which is a great conversation to have. It's hard at this moment to see the end, the complete end of the tunnel. I know better days are coming little by little, but it's really hard to see the full picture. So it's nice to have a conversation with someone that wants to at least explore what the new full picture could look like. Yeah, wow. And that's, I mean, I've, I've talked to a bank before. I mean, usually they're like, 
oh yeah, let's see, we'll see what we can do. And then they send it off to their, you know, number crunchers in some weird office and they're like, well, the numbers don't work out. At least my experience with it, I was maybe like a year or two into it. It's still early, but they're like, I was like, what? You're seeing all my deposits. You can see I got money. Yeah. I'm not asking for a ton, but yeah, I mean, because, and especially like, you can, there's algorithms and data and formula for a billion things. And mm -hmm. people use that to make decisions, but for someone to be like, no, I know you. I know your business. It's dope. Let's, yeah. You wanted how much? I'm going to add 20 to that. 20K. Having a relationship with a bank was something that happened really early on. You know, I've been with a few banks because, you know, banks buy each other and <laughs> people move. So I have followed this banker. This will be the second time that he's moved, but I will follow him to whatever bank he's going to. And we, you know, we had somebody different. I had someone different prior and he completely left that industry, but he and I got along really well. Young guy, we relate a lot in day-to-day -day life and whoever I had gotten past to when he left, I did not care for. Fascinating. It's very much an old school banker versus this younger guy that I've been working with. So I called him and I was like, I don't like this guy. <laughs> what I can do. And he, Pat, he's like, you need to talk to, you know, Matt. They all moved when this bank, I'm going to give you his number. I'm going to text him right now and let him know that you're calling. Like I'll give him the lowdown on how I know you. So like I had someone help me build that relationship that had known me and it sounds strange, but you know what? Like, even if you're in year one, just go to even a local community bank and just be like, I want to talk to you about this. Like, what would it look like? What could I do? They might say nothing and just shove you off or they might actually just have a conversation. I mean, you might not need them right then, but it is great to just, get that conversation started. Be like, Hey, when I was here 13 months ago, I was at this, like, look what's happened or look how the business has grown. What could it look like now? So yeah, I, you know, I don't know exactly where Boho is going to go mid and post all this pandemic stuff. I, I clearly, you know, I always have something in the works, but I don't know how it's all going to pan out. So to just have a conversation with my banker and be like, Hey, here's three things that I am like looking at. And one has to happen. The second one, I don't really know. The third is just a a dream, but like, what could that look like? And that's a conversation we had. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, it's, it shows like really the, the power of a brand and just your reputation. And I mean, everyone's kind of got a different definition of a brand and what that is. Some people might yeah. call it your just gut feeling towards a business. I've heard that definition, which I liked, or just yeah. what's the experience of someone when they hear about it or interact with it. And I think, you know, people often forget it, it doesn't just go to customers, potential customers, but it's also other people who can help you expand and sustain and grow your business. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do want to, I'm curious, like how deliberate you were, especially early on, like you, you had talked about the whole really, I guess a lot of that stuff of how to attract, you know, a variety of types of customers and in terms of how you structure your classes, you know, down to the paint on the walls, things like that. I'm lucky that I, I can speak from experience from coming to Boho at least twice for a class. And at one of those times, I mean, one of those times, maybe, well, actually, no, one you were, I think you were instructing for sure. We've done some other collabs, but all that to say, like, me as a guy coming into a cycle studio, like, I, I, I'll admit, it, like, I, I get intimidated. Like, if I'm going to a place that's, like, predominantly women, I'm like, ah, should I be here? Am I allowed here? It should, you know, how how am I supposed to be? And, and front desk 
people super welcoming like because and there's one thing to just say hey welcome to boho or welcome to wherever you can you can welcome someone on the surface level but then that person's still like you know if it's not aligned i guess is the point and i so i just know it's like you know even coming in with like well i know the owner you know i know amg over here i still felt nervous and 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 you know they were very you know very welcoming and i felt comfortable being in there and then the class was phenomenal so I guess just curious like how deliberate were you or when you hire recruit and train of just like taking how welcoming and genuine you are and you I to me like it's like yeah that spilled that spills over into the entire company it's just your personality um and your approach to it you mentioned it earlier of your background in the food service industry it's like you're you're serving it yeah. You know, you're taking that and, and, and applying it. So I'm just curious, like, is, was that a natural thing for you? Were you deliberate with it or how you went about it? So, you know, Morton Steakhouse is steaks and scotch or steaks and red wine. And I was the sales and marketing manager, you know, for almost about a decade. And I, it's just a, that feel of that restaurant and the look of it in the, the tone of it was very male dominated. And most of the other managers, with the exception of sales managers, were men and that was just a world I kind of thrived in. Like I can talk football because I love football. Like I grew up in Nebraska. You have to like it if you live there. You know, I generally am athletic and I generally like most sports and I love to watch the news. So it was just, I like to drink red wine. Scotch is a tough one for me yet, but maybe one day, but I was in an environment that actually was really comfortable for me. So moving into an environment that is very female dominated as far as like group fitness was new to me and not that I disliked it it's just a different persona and it's a different tone and I think that took me a while to really try and figure out how to balance the two or like make the shift and then it was the point of like well maybe I don't have to shift to just all female stuff like why can't I get more men in here (laughs) and just pull everyone from the steakhouse and bring them on down for a cycle class you know so you know when it comes to like hiring and recruiting that is really very tough it's a very specific skill and a handful of specific skills that people have to have to teach a class. Not everybody has that. And, you know, so it's not like we can just necessarily grab anybody, you know, getting men. We definitely have had a few men. We've got three guys that teach cycle right now. One is finishing training and like who wants to come and work that front desk, you know, the front desk people are their front desk for a reason. They don't want to stand on a platform, you know, with a microphone, but you know, it's stuff that like even coming down to music, you know, like people are like, well, what, what do I want to use for my music or what do I want to play in class when it's cycle? Well, at the end of the day, you want to sort of appeal to the masses. So maybe if you've got all Taylor Swift, you're not necessarily, not that Taylor doesn't have some men that love her, but that might not be, that might not be the draw. So like, how can we mix up what people are hearing when they're in class? How can we mix up the intensity of the class that might cater more towards men than maybe it does women but as far as cycle goes, that intensity is so personal based, you can make it as difficult or as easy as you want to at that moment. At the fit studio, way more weight is involved, you know, that it's not cycle. So we've got heavier weights. We've got a class that is a strength class, which does appeal to more men. Like they want to lift heavier weights and they would prefer to do that than cycle in the scheme of things. So there's, there's things like that, that I know I'm in a, in a female dominated industry. It, doesn't mean that men don't want to work out and do a workout that a woman does. It doesn't mean that either one is lesser or harder in the scheme of workouts. It's almost kind of a perception of what's being offered. And I've got to try and find all of those 
opportunities and options to give to people to come in and you know try that out. Mm -hmm. And and just in terms of like the consistency of at least the folks that I know, you know that that are working either at the desk or, or instructors. Mm -hmm. I mean, how how do you just? I mean, you've had consistently amazing people, and so do you think it's people are attracted to what you're doing, but also like your vision of it. And again, your approach. And then if I'm sure there's been times where like, Hey, this, this instructor just is not aligned with our culture. And maybe that's what kind of what I'm, I'm curious on of like how that culture starts with, with you. And then again, having a pretty stellar phenomenal team of, of folks that then falls down into having a very loyal fan base, people who will come out to your new locations, to your new stuff, and, and something we can touch on in a few minutes of mm -hmm. how you've adapted, you know, during Rona times, but just, because to me, it's this, it's this whole ecosystem that's, that can be delicate. When it works, it works phenomenally well, which I, for sure is in your case, but then there's other times when like, you know, and I've seen some stuff firsthand where it's like, you know, some businesses are like the shining beacon and then you realize like, then stuff starts leaking out, like, oh, it was a toxic culture or, you know, people leaving or, or whatever it may be. But yeah, just curious on like, on all that stuff from culture to your personality to, I don't know, getting, getting everything working. You know, I think the culture is, is sort of just kind of organically created itself. Um, not saying that I don't have, you know, purposes for what's going on. You know, I say my goal is I want people to move more. I don't care how much you move right now. Maybe you've never worked out before. Maybe you don't like a bike. Maybe, like, maybe you are at a weight you don't care for. Maybe you don't lift as much weight as you used to, but you're moving more. So like, that's a great goal. You know, we don't have like monitors on bikes and equipments and we don't have TV. We, I, I don't jump into all of that technology because I think everyone gets stuck hitting a number or hitting a thing or hitting something and you can very easily get defeated. So I don't have that and I will likely never have, you know, something in that capacity. We have a timer at one studio, but no one can see it. You just wait for the ding to change, you know, what you're doing. It's not yeah. that you're like, ah, and I think bringing those things in and really putting out there that people are realizing like, this is their workout and what they want to get from it. Like we're all here to kind of guide you. And then I think finding instructors and teams that also realize that same thing. You know, they're like, oh, I don't have to follow a metric or I don't have to follow my calories. And like, so then no one else does. And really looking at, you know, everything as this person's excited to be here. I want the team to be excited to come in the door because somebody got up at 6 a.m. and wanted to be in a class and wanted to have loud music or somebody lovingly yell at them. So you have to be <laughs> in that same boat. Don't roll in in what is clearly your pajamas and a boho t-shirt over the top. Nope because that instructor is not, and that client is not. So you cannot. So, you know, things like that have happened at the end of the day where I'm like, no, 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 that's not okay. I'm fully aware that's a pajama set right now. You know, like, you know, from women taking all the hair they have and just wrap, nodding it up on the top of their head. I'm like, yeah, I think we could have combed through that before you did that because it doesn't look like you're ready for the day. You know, and, and it's, and sorry. Are you referring to an instructor in that example? That might be the front desk person because at the, like you really have to think in that front desk mode at a 5.30 a.m. class, they're most likely you are the first person they have talked to that day. Yeah. So <laughs> what is that? And it could be, hi, it could be good morning. It could be my name's Anne Marie. So if this person, me, who's gotten out of bed because I want to be pushed, I want to get my 
endorphins in early rolls in and sees someone that's in pajamas with someone that really didn't comb their hair, that's not, that's not going to work. Is your t-shirt stained? That stuff's not going to work. And, you know, when it comes to instructors, there's definitely, you know, people that were like, they're going to get there. Like it's practice. It's this and this. And sometimes it just doesn't connect with clients. You know, they, they might be technically doing everything correct, but there's just a, a miss maybe when it comes to some of that social side of things and there it just doesn't always work and that is really tough it's really tough when an instructor is technically really good but there's just a bit of a disconnect and that's just a process that you have to work through and what's really eventually what's really going to be best for everybody you know an instructor doesn't want to put in all of this time and have two people come to a class that could fill 20 you know so we've got to really figure out what is that best line and i want all of my staff to want to work at boho I think that's the biggest thing. I want them to want to work. <sighs> and if they don't, then let's figure out what's going on. So what can I do to want them to be there? You know, is that listening to them with their job they might have outside of here? Is that being accommodating on a class schedule because the world got a little crazy and, you know, they've got some nerves happening? Is that them coming to me with an idea of like, I want to teach a class that's like this. And if they're excited about it, why am I going to shoot that down? You know, there's just those little things. And that's, you know, sometimes not easy to do. It might not always feel like what I want to do, but if it's something somebody's excited about or something that somebody needs and they're going to take the time to come to you on it, then I have to be able to stop and like listen and make decisions from there. I think what you said is insanely insightful and like, and just aligned with, I mean, how I want to do business and how I want to work with people. Cause like two things stood out to me. One is your just supreme commitment to the experience of your clients who come in making that, you know, it's, they're going to move, that's your goal. And also like, you're going to make it fun, but also like, you're going to hold them accountable. They're going to, they're going to get their money's worth. So like your, your, wanting that experience of what you're actually providing people more than, you know, and you touched on the tech and, and all that, like tech is cool. It's cool as shit, but is it what people want? You know, not really. And, and it can, it can sell some stuff, but I think in terms of like, and this is just kind of my personal philosophy on, on business. It's like, yeah, the, the tech is fine, but you're like, instead of looking out for the next cool machine that tells you your whatever kind of data I think people can take that too far. And, you know, I know like yeah. I'm in the marketing world, there's data and funnels and all kinds of crazy shit. At the end of the day, it's someone sending a message that another person needs to receive that message. And yeah. what's the purpose of that? And all these tools and, and, and you know, yeah. softwares and, and, you know, what social media platform should I be on? That's all just a tool. It's, it's not the end goal and so the end goal is always comes down to people so I, I love that you know that and, I, and I'm like well that is no coincidence that your brand fucking rules because that's that's where your mindset is and then also with what you were just saying about your employees or, or the you know your staff you know you you listen to their ideas you're like well I may not agree with it or or particularly be thrilled but it's like cool you know you're empowering them all these like buzzwords that you might see of you know, mm-hmm. particularly on LinkedIn, when I, I found I find to be very corny and cheesy and disingenuous. It's like you're you're actually living the stuff that, that people are, you know, wanting to to implement and have in like these big major organizations. Like, yeah, if, listen to your employees. They want to do something if they're because I think passion just drives everything. You know, it's yeah, it does. They're gonna- 
they're going to stay around if you know if they enjoy what they're doing if they have opportunities to be creative within what they're doing you know then like great i very very much love the the fine tuning of the customer experience with all of my businesses all of my formats you know the fit studio that has five formats you're like okay well we people are used to xyz with these two and we want to add in a new one how, how are you going to explain that where's our timer they're used to having a dinger find a way to use a dinger. Like there's all this kind of stuff that like it matters and keeps some consistency across the board, no matter what format I have at each location, there's some very like hardline consistency with stuff and that. And like the employee side, I, I will touch on it a little bit. We can move on, but I do, the employee side of work is, is by far one of the most challenging that HR side of things is really uh -huh. tough. You know, you've got potentially 40 different personalities to get to know and to manage and how they learn and how they want to communicate and how they communicate back to you, you know, is, is tough and it's a challenge. And sometimes you just don't have time for how someone communicates and wants to communicate, but you, you, I don't have a choice. And I have to, the managers, you know, like, Hey, we, you got to figure out how so-and-so communicates. If they're going to communicate really well via text message. Then it's, it's okay. Don't call them. But like, maybe you just need to pick up the phone and be some old school, which we don't do much anymore. Um, right. So th that's really tough. And if they're having a tough day or they've got some, some tough stuff related to Boho, it's, it's, it's difficult to manage and it's a process and I am much better at it. But I also know there's a lot more that I can do and work with my team as far as like just being able to keep everybody happy and, you know, mix the pot. Yeah. I mean, it's, not always easy and that can't always just be well I'm going to send one email to 40 people and they're going to get the picture it's like well I might have to call somebody or god forbid I pick up the phone and you know yeah, speak to a human to people let me just write them a note they're like oh thanks I'm like oh my gosh like okay so, yeah and yeah. if anything there's like more opportunity for that like because everyone's like you know communication at a mass scale it's like you write a note to someone and be like Oh my God, like, thank you. I, I appreciate that because you could have easily yeah. sent some just like text or you yeah. know, whatever it may be. Well, cool. As we kind of wrap up, I'm, I'm super curious, you know, and, and, you know, whatever your time frame is, five, 10 more minutes or I've two. At least 10 more minutes. Yeah. The, you know, I'm going to try to avoid too many cliches of what 2020 was like, but let's, let's kind of, we'll end at the new beginning yeah. <laughs> 2020 how, how have you adapted your you know first month of 2021 here in January kind of what's like the last you know year been like what what have you adapted and then maybe kind of what what's coming next for boho well you know the word of the year was pivot I'm like if I, if I remember the word innovate remember when innovate was ever this oh yeah innovate. you've got to innovate and like, you're <laughs> pivot and you're like oh my god just stop we're not playing yeah. basketball I in all honesty you know I think with everybody we thought it would just be a two or three week shutdown and then the world would be fine and that's absolutely not what happened and then I was like okay what can we do and then it was a whole big thing of really I spent a lot of the summer in denial that this was happening and this was going on and I could very well lose everything I'd worked so hard for. Throw in all of the racial justice and the protests and stuff that happened here in Richmond was a whole nother element to manage on top of something that was already really emotional to manage that I really just kind of sunk into myself. And I think that was a hard 
that was a, a tough lesson for me to learn because the business and the clients and the staff still needed stuff like they still needed that workout. They still needed this and that. And I was having a hard time, you know, but we went to, you know, kick it in with Zoom like we've done. We did a lot of fit classes via Zoom and then we took a little longer than I should have, but finally got, you know, on demand and cycle classes and filming and stuff like that. So people could have stuff available and rent it out, you know, the bikes that I was able to, you know, did a lot of online stuff. We did like an outdoor event. And then when we could come back to do things, it was outside classes. So found locations near both the studios, either the parking lot or the tennis courts to do, you know, whatever we could do with outside classes. Got into a pattern of, you know, filming and Zoom classes and like mini challenges, stuff that was like a week long that maybe that's what people could focus on versus a, a four month challenge. You're like, no, I need seven days. <laughs> Just short and sweet. And then I think it was probably about September and my husband and I were having a conversation and he was like, why are you still in triage mode? We are so far into this pandemic, like meant like work-wise, I was still thinking in a very much like triage mode. I could only plan a couple weeks ahead of time and not think past. So that was a really big turning point for me that I was like, okay, even if you can't do something two months from now, like you might as well plan it and go with it because if you can't do it, the something out of my control has stopped it, not necessarily me. So stuff that had to come with all of that is learning how to teach fitness on live video is very different than in class. Learning how to record and film and teach when you're filming is very different than teaching to a class and filming to a live class. How you say things, you have to be repetitive. People have looked at a computer all day, they don't wanna look at you. So you've got to repeat, repeat, repeat. You might have to keep things more simple because I'm sick of looking at a computer. Just tell me what to do. I need to zone off somewhere else. So that is something that we train people on now. When we get new hires, they have to film a class just for them. But like, what does it look like? What do they feel like? Here's how you have to talk about it. They have to take a Zoom class to see what it's like on the user side, because that might be something they need to do. We might be hiring them for inside at this moment, but you might have to teach a Zoom class. And that is a very different process. So learning that and like researching some of that stuff and you know how you should talk. And I'm a very big I'm a person that talks with my hands. So when I'm on a video, that's what I want to do. And I'm like, you have to do bicep curls. So learning that whole process and being able then to teach that process was something that we all, like the managers and I really kind of had to, you know, dive into, you know, January, I really just like, I kind of hunkered down in December, like it's the holidays, it was chilly and uh, <laughs> took some time and just really regrouped. And I like, I don't know the last time I put together three months of a marketing plan. And I was like, oh, I can do this. I've always had someone to do that. And my dear marketing person moved to Lake Tahoe. So like being able to think three months ahead of time and like, what do I want to do? Where do I want ads to be? What event can I do that we're going to consider an event? So moving into January, I very much just some like better days are coming more so than I would have thought last year. And I don't know when exactly full throttle of better days will be here, but like better days are coming. So you know, planning things three months out and getting my managers in that same mode. Like, let's get back to what we used to do. And if we have to cancel, it's because something else made us do it. And it's not that we failed doing something. I held off on hiring people for a while because I just didn't know what to expect. So now we're kind of back to a hiring mode and like new staff and new instructors. We're still doing outside classes. I mean, we got 10 people at 7 a.m. this morning, take a cycle class and it was 29 degrees. We'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> People keep showing up. I thought we would very much cancel outside classes before Thanksgiving and that is not going anywhere. So as long as everything permits, we will keep going with it. And we're at limited capacity, you know, at the cycle studio, we went from 32 bikes to nine. 
And at the Fit Studio, we went from 13 people to seven. And that's really tough, but that's what I have to do right now. So those were the in-studio ones, which is why, you know, we offered one thing, indoor group fitness. Now we offer indoor group fitness, outdoor group fitness, Zoom group fitness, on-demand group fitness, and then one-off challenge, like six-week challenges or one-week challenges, like all that stuff. So I had to learn very quickly. I you know, yes, I was in denial for a lot of the summer. It didn't mean I didn't accomplish things. I just probably didn't do them at a pace I normally would have done prior. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, which is understandable. I think, I mean, I definitely, I felt like summer was one long week. It was, so, <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, what, what am I doing this weekend? Uh, same shit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I had fun, you know, it was fun. I got, you know, yeah. not like it was like the worst time ever. It was far yeah. from it. It's just like nothing's changing, you know. It's it's just constant heat, you know. Because and to, I mean, to me, I, that weather can have a big effect on me. I'm like, I, I like, how do I know what's happening? And because also nothing was happening, like yeah. no weddings, no uh, trips, yeah. and usually that's how you can kind of like figure out, like, okay, this month I've got mm -hmm. these three things. And so yeah, I, I totally get it. We're like, I feel like I'm just like on cruise control, and it can it can be tough to to break out of. So yeah. I mean. It sounds like, yeah, I mean, you've, you've pivoted, you've innovated, you've done it all. And I, and I mean, I think, and, and would it be right for me to say like, dude, your, your mindset from the beginning, all that stuff of, you know, we could say from the six months prior to the two years in, mm -hmm. it's like, you're fucking strong. Like you, your, your mind can take it. Cause sometimes that's like the worst type of, you know, struggle has changed. Like everyone needs something from me. Shit's moving fast. I, I just hang it on by a thread and I am that thread and it can like mm -hmm. force it, it, it sucks. Like, and, and it feels like, you know, it's, you're going to collapse, but it sounds like, and I don't know, again, if that no, resonates it, in any way. It, it does. Um, I was on collapse and I looked at my husband one day and I was just like, I, I can't focus. I can't this, I can't like, if I don't get some help, that is not my husband or my best friend or my sister. I don't know what's going to happen in Boho and I need to figure that out. And I did, I hired someone to help me. And it was a, it was a life coach that I peripherally knew. And it was fantastic. It was someone that I was accountable to once a week. It was someone that gave me small projects that I had to report back on. It was putting all of the overwhelming things in my mind and trying to really narrow down what were the immediate things that were really a struggle to me, which I couldn't do on my own. I do wish I would have done that sooner than I had, but you don't know what you don't know. And that was just like, it was such a nice feeling. And, you know, knowing that this person is still out there for me. And if I get in a, a thing in two months from now, then like, hey, can we talk again? Like, let's book some stuff. Cause new stuff has happened or stuff from before I kind of thought was okay is back. I think everybody needs a little bit of help. I think I emotionally was spent I to manage my emotions, help my husband manage his emotions, help my family manage theirs, and then help 30 some other people manage their emotions. And it was all too much. And it, it took me a while to realize that I couldn't manage it solely and I needed someone else that could help me understand pro the process better. And it was great. I'm glad I did it. Like I said, I will do it again. I it was better for me and better for the business. And so I'm in a much better mindset. I have a little optimism. I very much lost um, some confidence, I think, in myself last year, even though there was an outside thing affecting everybody in my business. It didn't always feel like that. It felt like I had, you know, failed some stuff. So that was tough. Sorry. 
look at that con- that confidence is coming back. I got plans. I'm thinking I'm planning ahead. I'm thinking forward. And there's some really good stuff that's going to come out of the rest of this year for Boho that I can't always share with everybody, but there's some really good stuff. I'm always working on something. Um, that's what I love about you. You never really know what it is that's going to pan out, but there's always something that piques my interest or what could I do? Or could this work for Boho? Or could this be fun? Could I open a location there? Like, could I renovate this building? You know, could I paint the walls again? You know, something like that. Yeah. I, and we'll close on this note because I absolutely, absolutely love what you you know, touched on with like the confidence and the thing. It's, it, everyone needs help. Like every, like no one is an island. And if you try to put all that on it, you know, just, you know, it is fine to ask for help and anyone that's succeeded in anything has had uh, help. And it's also, you know, once you kind of think you've made it, there's new challenges and struggles that'll kind of ding the armor of your, you know, self-esteem, your, your self sense of confidence. And that's normal. And it's almost like, well, cause I, I've dealt with it. Well, shit, I've dealt with like much harder stuff. Why is this yeah. on me? And it's not that if you're going to be immune to it, it's how quickly can you bounce back? Cause, and yeah. so I try to be of the mindset of like, yeah, this, you know, I try, and again, this is not working a hundred percent of the time. It's like, man, I don't really have any problems or struggles. It's just a bunch of shit that happens. Yeah. So I'm just looking at like, all right, well, like I expect these these challenges and things to not go it so then when it when it happens i'm like okay cool this is what i do and sometimes it feels more overwhelming than others i'm like all right let's calm down let me just take a breath and yeah like you know sometimes you're just like laying on your couch staring at the ceiling being like i suck i can't do any of this and instead of that feeling lasting for days or weeks like for me it it had in the past it's like okay i'm i'm done with this it's been 10 minutes like okay you know just allow yourself to feel that way and you can move on. I am, I'm a big proponent. And even prior to all of this, like, if that's your feeling, like feel it, own it. Don't deny it. If you want to sit and cry, you want to cry. If you want to yell at somebody for just to be mad, then yell, like whatever that just own that feeling and do it. Like, it's okay to be in it. Like you said, do you need to be in it for weeks and months at a time? Probably not. But if you need to be in it for a little bit, like be in it, feel it, and then find that way to work past that. And like moving forward, clearly this is one of the second biggest thing or third biggest thing probably in the, in the business that's really been a big struggle and a somewhat of an outside factor of things I can't control. I handled it very differently than the other things. So I think I didn't necessarily kind of realize what was happening in the same time frame with that. I love that. And I think it's a good place to just wrap it yeah. this has been awesome like i've you know i've known you for years and years and you know just hearing more and more of your story and you know where you've been but also looking forward like it's it was this was a blast so i appreciate you oh, coming on today well, i enjoy you anytime i get something from you i know i'm going to be excited about it